Good morning, junior high ministry of the church. How are you doing today? Oh, yeah. So, I'm so ready for camp. I, I could go on for hours about what camp is going to be like. <sighs> it's going to be so tight. And we just got another guy leader who's coming. Dude, camp's going to be killer. You're going to love this. All right. So, let's get right into it. My name is Justin. If you are here for the first time, I'm so happy you're here. I hope to meet you after. And if you come all the time, well, then you know that I'm happy you're here because I love you guys. I'm just so happy. And we're in a series called Close. And the whole idea behind this series is this. We want to get close to God. How do we do it? And we're, we looked you know, last week at what it looks to move closer to God. But this week we're going to take a look at what does it look like to move closer to God when we put barriers between us and between God. And we get the idea of barriers. I'm a big campfire guy. Uh, you probably have seen campfires that look something like this. Big fan of campfires. Uh, camp is going to be somewhat like this. You know, we'll get the campfire around. We'll cook some s'mores. We'll smile. and let me, I'll tell a scary story, which I got a perfect scary story for the girls. It'll be awesome. And uh, boys... I can't scare the boys for some reason, but I can scare girls all the time. And you, you love this. So, and you see, you know, there's a little perimeter there and whatnot. And, you know, you know what an un, like this is like a nice, safe, calm, happy fire. Here's what an, a very unsafe, this is a clip from when I was in college. Why don't you roll this clip real quick? This is an unsafe campfire. Yeah. Yeah, that was real. That was me throwing it in and freaking out. That was awesome. The clip will just keep going and going. It's very short. I know. Boom. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And you guys have been around campfires, right? And, it, you know, we love, you know, being when we're cold, we get closer to a campfire. And, you know, when we get too warm, we back away from it. Because here's the thing. You know, we're the ones that move closer or further away from the campfire. The campfire is staying there. That's in the same place. That's like God. God is there. And we're the ones who are either moving closer to God or we're the ones who are moving away from God. But God's not the one who's moving around. God is always God. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is very important. This is very important. Uh, barriers are there for a reason. Barriers are there to keep you at a distance, keep you safe. You think of a, you know, a little bonfire. Well, there's a reason there's a barrier around the bonfire. It's there to keep you safe. You, know, you think uh, maybe you go to a concert, and I've been to concerts, many concerts. And I've sat front row at many concerts, and there's a barrier there with a bunch of security guys that look pretty scary. And they're there for the performer's safety or like the athletes. If it's like a basketball game or a football game, they're there for their safety. I mean, barriers are there, and barriers aren't always a bad thing. Most of the time, barriers are there. They're a good thing. They're put there. There are some that are there for your safety. It's a good thing. But sometimes we are the ones that put barriers in our way. And sometimes we put barriers in our way, not for our own good. Sometimes we do it for what we think is, well, the safest. And sometimes we feel safest when we're, you know, kind of away from people. You know, because, you know, if we get too close to people, well, people could hurt us. If we get, if we let people know us enough, they maybe could use that against us. Like, you know, the further we put ourselves out there, the more risk we take. So sometimes we put barriers in place to keep us safe, thinking it does keep us safe and it doesn't. But sometimes we put barriers in our place without even knowing it. Like, we put barriers there. We don't even know it there. It, you know, and you can probably feel the barriers that you have some ways in your life. Here's a couple examples of some barriers that you might have in your own life. You, maybe you've had barriers with friends. Maybe you have a really close friend and you have an argument with that friend and now there's like a riff there. Like there's like unspoken anger and rage between the two of you. And that 
unspoken, you know, anger and hurt feelings is like a barrier between you and your friend. So there's a friend example. You know, family. You know, so you put barriers sometimes between family members. Maybe something happens, like you move. Okay, I hated moving when I was a kid. You got to go to a new school and new people and new friends. And, you know, you don't tell your parents how you're feeling. You know, you, they don't. They don't deserve to know how you're feeling yet, right? So we just don't tell them how we're feeling. We show them how we're feeling by wearing black eyeliner and, like, putting, like, sheets over our windows and living like a bat, all right? That's how we show how angry we are. We don't tell them how angry we are. That would be too easy for them. They have to see how angry and upset we are. And that puts a barrier between you and your family because they don't know what's going on, and that, that puts a barrier there. And it's an, an invisible one, but it's one that you put there. Uh, and school, you know, sometimes there's just barriers at school, and you guys go to school. I don't go to school anymore. But you know what it's like to have a barrier at school. Maybe for you, you think at your school, well, in order to be successful in my school, I have to kind of climb the popularity ladder, and, you know, I have to be viewed as this. So maybe it means I'm going to, you know, hang around with people I don't really like or don't really like their values or what they do. But, you know, I just got to, I got to, you know, be in that group of people. And, you know, you put barriers between people you really do like, or maybe you put barriers between you and God in school because you don't want to tell people at school that you go to church on Sundays. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, you don't, and you do it not on purpose, but you do it without even knowing it, putting a barrier between you and God. Because here's the thing. There are barriers that you can probably feel that happen between you and between God, and they are invisible barriers It's a very real thing. Here are some of those barriers that can exist. But here's the thing that talks about this in the Bible. This is so good. So we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to take a look at a little bit of what a guy named Paul has to say. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to the book of Romans. This is such a good book. And there's Bibles all around, and there's pens, and there's notepapers all around. And and here's where it is. It's Romans chapter 5, starting with verse number 1. This is what, then it's good, page, uh, page 914 in most of your Bibles. But I'm a table of contents person. Oh, I forgot. Ooh. Hey, does anyone not, like, own a Bible? Like, they're, maybe they're going to camp and they're like, oh, I don't own a Bible. I've never owned one. Does anyone not own a Bible? No? Everyone has their own Bibles at home? Everyone? Okay, never mind. I had a Bible. I was going to give it away, but now I don't have to. I'll just keep it. I'll have more Bibles for me then. All right. All right. This is what it says. And use your table of contents if you have to. And let me give a little context for this. Paul is a pastor, just like me, pastor. Cares for people, encourages people, writes to people, talks about God. And at this point in his life, he is in prison, which is a really big deal. Like, and prison in Rome is not like, like a hangout time. Like you're not playing video games and eating food you like in Roman prison. You're like getting beat up and sleeping on rocks. Like it's miserable, it's terrible. And you'd think, like, oh, my gosh, that he must have been really, like, bummed about that. He must have been really angry, like, oh, my gosh, like, being there in prison. And here's the thing. He was in prison because he was a Christian. That's why he was in prison. They arrested him because he was teaching about this guy, Jesus, the thing that I teach about right now. I teach about Jesus right now, and I'm not getting thrown in jail. But back then, he was teaching about Jesus. They threw him in prison for it. And he's in prison, and you'd think, oh, man, he must have been miserable in prison. Truth is, he wasn't miserable. Like maybe he was unhappy in prison. Like maybe it wasn't the best. He wasn't miserable because he was thankful to God because God gave him more than the circumstances that were in front of him. Now, this is what he wrote in prison. He's in prison. He's, it's a very uncool situation. 
And this is what he writes to us, the church, but he writes it as an, encur- as an encouragement. He writes it as a lesson. This is what he says. Uh, Romans chapter 5, you should all have it. Here you go. Therefore, having been justified, which means saved, having been saved by faith, we have peace. Now, in your Bibles, even if you have a church Bible, I want you to underline the word peace because this is very important. We're going to talk about this. Peace with God. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction. So introduction is the beginning by faith into his grace in which we stand. So let me explain that last verse. Through whom, Jesus is the whom, also we, which is all of us, have obtained, so we have gotten, so all of us have gotten through Jesus, our introduction, so like the beginning of uh, beginning by faith, so by the faith we have in God, into this grace, which grace is this, and you guys gotta hear this. Grace is something undeserved. It's an undeserved something that's given to you. And usually in the context of forgiveness or understanding, like you have screwed up or you've messed up or done something wrong, and God's grace would say, you know, even though you messed up and even though you don't deserve it, I'm gonna forgive you. Like even though you, you know, you are, you know, probably will mess up again, I'm going to forgive you because I love you. And it's the introduction by faith into this forgiving grace in which we stand. So we stand in that grace. We as Christians, so this is important, we as Christians live this life in faith in God, in grace, so in forgiveness, because that's who Jesus is. And the word peace, this is so important. And this is Paul. You got to remember, Paul's in prison like in chains, and he's writing about the relationship we have to God being a peaceful one. There's nothing about prison in Rome for Paul that was peaceful. Paul's talking about peace with God, and this is so important, peace through God, through Jesus. I want you to write this down, so it'll be up here on the screen. Uh, We have peace with God only because of Jesus. Like, Paul is looking and saying, man, what, what do people need to hear? Well, they need to hear that, that they're, God's not out to get them. Like, it feels that way sometimes. Like, you might think and look and be like, man, I feel like, I feel like God is like, I feel like God is out to get me. Like, I feel like I've messed up, and I feel like God is just looking to, like, catch me and just, you know, just lay into me and, like, get me in trouble. And sometimes we think that way about God because we don't know God. But what we think about him is that's the kind of God that he is. Paul is saying, while he's in prison, Paul is saying, that's not who God is. God is, you have peace with God. And it's because of Jesus you have peace with God. And how do you get peace? This is like the easiest thing in the world, but it's sometimes the most difficult thing in the world. We get peace through this, it's, it's an F word, okay? Yeah. I know everyone's head popped up, like, wait, wait, what? The church, what's this guy talking about? It's called forgiveness. It's going to be up here on the screen. I want you to, I want you to write this down. It's going to be up here on the screen. It's the uh, forgiveness. It's the next. It's right here. You're going to see it. What can bring you closer to God? Asking for his forgiveness. Asking for his help. Listen, here's the thing. This is so hard for some people. Because some people think, well, you know, forgiveness, like that's, like it feels like that's just so easy. Yeah, it is. Well, asking for his help, but well, no, can't I just do it myself? No, you can't. If you would have. If you could have, you probably already would have. You can't. You know, how do you get closer to God? 
Well, you got to ask for forgiveness. you got to look at the barriers you've put between you and between God and say, God, I need help with this. I can't fix all this on my own. And here's the thing, and you'll hear this word tied to forgiveness a lot. It's a word called repentance or to repent. You may have heard this word before. It is directly tied to the idea of forgiveness. It is you as a person saying, you know, God, I want to, and this is in the Bible, and we're going to look at a verse in a second. I want to repent of what I've done. I want to, and this is the definition for repent. Check this out. To feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Sincere, which is a sincere heart. The Bible talks about a sincere heart. Like not like paying lip service, not just saying what you think the person wants to hear, not just saying what, you know, will ever get, you know, saying whatever will get you out of the conversation the fastest. And like we know what it means to be sincere. You know, if you're sincere, you take time. You know, you look the person in the eye. Like you, you mean it. And you know, a sincere person when they share or repent in sincerity, will say, man, I never want to do that again. To feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Like, I'm repenting, so I'm going to I'm gonna never, like, do that again. Like, I'm going to try my hardest to never do that thing again. Like, I'm going to give it my best shot. This is what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. You don't need to flip there, but I want you to write it down if you're taking notes, because this is something to look back on. This is so good. This is still Paul talking. It's just a little earlier in the book. Or do we show, so he's talking to a group of people. I'm kind of picking up in the middle. Do we show contempt for the riches of his kindness? So do we look at God and say, because the riches of his kindness, that's like the God is good. Like, he treats us good. He cares for us. He wants the best for us. And contempt would be people saying, well, a God that's just willing to forgive you, I'm not bought into that. You know, because people think this. People think you got to earn it. You know, I, uh, I was watching football yesterday. You guys watch football? Who watched football? Come on. Football. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. Who's watching football today after church? Yeah. So, me too. Totally. Who's watching? Is there football? No Monday Night Football. That's a bummer. There's no money in football. Uh, we'll be at winter camp next week for the playoff games. We're going to be watching it at camp because I have football, man. It's so good. And I'm watching the football games, and I'm listening. This is so cool. I'm listening to the coaches. And if you've ever been on a sports team, even in student leadership, they probably do it. I mean, kind of. this happens in different areas of life. Like, after you finish a thing, like, whoever the leader is kind of gives, like the, like, the rally pep talk, like, at the very end. Like, you've won, and or you've, you know, accomplished something. You've succeeded as a group. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, we did it. Like, this was awesome. Like, let's keep going. And I'm, I was listening to all these coaches. They had clips of these coaches giving their thing. And it was like, yeah, like you guys earned it. You guys work hard. You guys put the time in. You guys, nothing was handed to us. We did this. Okay, because we, we think that way. We think, well, no, like if, if we want good things to happen, then we got to do something to help make it happen. You know, people would show contempt. Like contempt is like anger or like disbelief. That there'd be a God that loved us so much, this is important, that there would be a God that loved us so much that he said, there's nothing you need to do. I'm going to do it all for you. And then I'm going to give it to you as a free gift. People look at that and they're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, don't I have to work and do something? Don't I have to contribute? Don't I have to? And it's like, no, no, no. 
You don't have to because Jesus already did. And people would show contempt for that. This is what it says, kindness and forbearance and patience. People would show contempt for God's patience with us. You know, my baby loves to poop. The kid can't get enough of it. And it's like you change him, and it's like 10 minutes later, it's like, and he's starting to fart now. Like he's nine months, and that's when they start to like get gassy. So we'll be sitting there, and Britt will be like, and it'll be like this noise. It sounds like a squeaky shoe on a floor, like a fart. And she's like, babe. And I'm like, that's not me. That's my boy. I look at him. I'm proud of him. I'm like, good job, son. And he's like, yeah, you know, like a baby. He just loves he just loves pooping. And, but, you know, it's really, it's tough to get him to change him now because he's starting to, like, wiggle around. He's starting to figure out body movement. So he always wants to, like, he makes it really difficult. And we, we could be, if it's just me or it's just Brit, like, we're, we'll be working at it for, like, and if you've ever changed, like, a sibling or, you know, like, if you've ever changed a kid's diaper who's, like, they're moving around, they won't listen to you. Like, it's really hard and it's really quick to become impatient. You know, and you keep looking at the kid, and you're like, no, 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 just stay still. No, no, stop moving. No, no, no. No, we've done this before. No, no, no. You, I've changed your diapers many, many times. You get how this works, right? You just lay there, and I just do it. And it's really easy to become impatient with things that you feel have been communicated really simply. Here's what God has communicated really simply. I love you. You will mess up, and I will forgive you. You matter to me. And we as people, we mess up over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And yet we still think, well, no, no, I got to do something to, like, figure this out. Like, I got to do something to get closer to God and, like, fix these things. But the truth is that God's just looking at us like we're babies. And so saying, don't you guys get this? Don't you get, why are you guys doing the same thing over and over and over again? Don't you guys get this? Like, I love you. I got this. Jesus died for you. That's why I sent him here. You're good. Like, oh, my gosh, don't you guys, like, and God is patient with us when we sometimes are not patient. And this is what it says at the very end. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness, that patience, is meant to lead you to repentance. That you would look at everything and say, uh, I reject all the sin and all the wrong stuff, and I'm going to do something different. That's what repentance is. Now, here's the thing that's so hard sometimes. You know, we get what it means to repent. Like, we get what it means, and it's going to be up here on the screen. You get what it means to repent. You get what it means uh, to repent and to ask forgiveness. And you know what it feels like to be forgiven. You know, when I was in junior high, I think I've shared this story before. When I was in junior high, my family grew up poor. So we grew up poor, really poor. Not like kind of poor, super poor, like as poor as you can imagine. So we grew up super poor, and I was in a youth ministry called, uh, it was called 153 Untorn Student Ministries. It was super cool. And my youth pastor, a guy named Tony, was awesome. Tony spent time with me. He sent me postcards. That's why I believe in sending you guys postcards. He made sure I could go to camp even though I was poor and didn't have the money for it. He always paid for me to go to camp. He invited me into his office, which my office is always open. You guys should come hang out. I have swords and Nerf guns and a really nice couch. He invited me into his office. Like Tony was my youth pastor. He was my friend. He really cared about me. So one day I was in his office, and this was about maybe two weeks before camp. And we were in his office hanging out, and he left, and his drawer was open, and there was a stack of money in his drawer, and it was money for camp. And there was just that, that voice, the immediate voice that spoke into my ear and said, you should steal that money. So I reached over and I grabbed some of the money, like four or $500, and I put it in my pocket, $100 bills, put it in my pocket. And, you know, I was in junior high. I was a terrible thief. I was really bad. 
because we stayed, I stayed there that, because that day, you know, I was there, and that night was like the youth group hangout deal, and I stayed for it, and they had like a snack shack like we have, so I rolled up to the snack shack, and like I got my buddies, be like, oh man, you know, I got, I'll take one of everything, I dropped like a hundred dollar bill, like, oh, I'm going to get some t-shirts, so I dropped another hundred dollar bill, like this money that I just stole, and Tony saw me, and he's like, dude, he's like, where did, and he knows I'm poor, he's like, where'd you get all this money, and I'm like, oh, my grandmother gave it to me, so that was a lie, by the way. And he didn't believe me because I wouldn't believe that. And he called my mom and was like, hey, did Justin's grandmother give him, like, you know, 500 bucks? And she's like, no, we're poor. Don't you know we're poor? She, grandmother's poor too. And I was caught. Like, I was totally caught. So I had to go to Tony, and I had to apologize. And it was tough because I, all, this was running through my head. Man, I've messed up. He's going to be so mad at me. He's never going to forgive me. Like, oh, my gosh, like, I, I, just, I just felt like I belonged at this church, and now they're probably going to kick me out, or I'm not going to be able to go to camp, and you know, there's going to be punishment. And I was really, really nervous. And, you know, he was totally justified for a lot of that, right? I mean, you think about it. It's like, man, you steal that much money. Like, you know, you know I didn't confess it. I was totally caught, and I lied about it, tried to hide it. And you'd think, well, you, Tony was probably justified. He could probably say, you know, dude, you know, you're just not going to go to camp in a couple weeks. You're not going to camp. Or, hey, you should maybe take a break from, you know, youth group, just not show up for like a month. Or, hey, if you show up, your mom's going to be here too because we can't trust you. Or, hey, you know, you're not allowed in my office anymore because I just can't trust you. So I know what it felt like to go and ask for forgiveness and, and apologize. And Tony looked at me and said, dude, I forgive you. Like, you're good. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, just don't try your hardest not to do it again. If you ever feel like you are thinking about stealing again, come talk to me. Now I'm here for you. You know, come. You know, I'll see you next week. Come hang out at my office. You know, you're my, you're my friend. You're my buddy. And I think about that, and I'm telling you, that has shaped so much of who I am as a pastor because of my pastor. Because I know what it feels like to ask for forgiveness, and I know what it feels like to be forgiven. You guys probably know what it feels like to ask for forgiveness and what it feels like to be forgiven. But here's the thing. In that, we have this spiritual moment that takes place. It's a spiritual moment. The spiritual moment happens with this. Uh, because we all want to grow in spiritual maturity, right? And if you want to get closer to God, you have to mature in your faith. So this is what happens. There's two, essentially, scenarios. And you guys will live in one of the two of these. And here's the first scenario. Because we want to go on a path towards spiritual maturity. Here's the first scenario. Uh, the, and it's the uh, understanding what it means to repent and stop the way to spiritual maturity. Great. All right. Here's the next one. Here's one of the scenarios. You don't have to write that down. Don't worry about that. The spiritually immature student. So let's talk about the spiritually immature student. The spiritually immature student would say this. Oh, if I mess up, I just repent, ask for forgiveness, and I'm forgiven. So I'll just keep doing what I want, repeating my mess, my mess up over and over again, and God has to forgive me. I don't care, and I got him good. Like, the spiritually immature student would say, well, I've messed up, but God has to forgive me. Right? I mean, I can mess up as much as I want, and he has to forgive me. So I don't really have to mean that I'm sorry. I can just say that I'm sorry, and he has to forgive me. And I can just kind of bank up a bunch of screw-ups and a bunch of mistakes and then just kind of ask for forgiveness for him all at once, and he has to say yes. The spiritually immature student would think of this as a system that you can manipulate and, and think that they're spiritually mature. That's spiritual immaturity. Let's talk about what spiritual maturity looks like, what I want you guys to grow in spiritual maturity. This is what a spiritually mature student would say. Oh, if I mess up, I just repent, ask forgiveness, which is true. And I'm forgiven. 
So I'll try my best not to make that same mistake. But if I mess up, I know my loving God is there. He really cares because God is good. The spiritually mature student would say, you know, man, I messed up. I'm going to try my hardest not to do it again. Like, I might mess up. I might not get it right. You know, when I don't get it right, good thing God is patient. Good thing he's kind. Good thing that that is who my God is. The spiritually mature student would say, I'm going to try my best to really repent. Like, really apologize, ask forgiveness, and really try not to do it again. That is what spiritual maturity looks like. You know, here's the thing, and I want you guys to all write this down. Because it's a big question, and it's a, it's, a, it's a big moment for you to really think about yourself. And here's the question. What barriers, very important, do you have to remove to get close to God? What barriers do you have? Maybe they're visible barriers, maybe they're invisible barriers, but barriers that you have that you have to remove in order to get close to God. Because that's the hope, right? That we're all growing in spiritual maturity. We're all asking good questions. We're all learning. We're all, like, aware of the barriers in our life that keep us from God, and that we're paying attention to those. And here's the bottom line for today. I want you guys to write it down and know it. Maybe Instagram it or write it on your arm or your shoe or something. Write it on, like, the sole of your shoe. To get close to God, remove the barriers. It's like you might think, well, Justin, that just sounds so simple. Well, it is simple. Super simple. You want to get close to God? I want you to get close to God. I, as a Christian, me personally, Justin, I want to get close to God. You want to get close to God? we got to remove the barriers between us and him. So, hey, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to let you guys go into breakout groups, and here's how that's going to work. Like it always does, the boys are going to go outside. There's uh, the grade groups. You guys know how that goes. Here's some questions on the screen. Girls, you're going to break up in here. They went a lo- little long yesterday, so don't worry about it. Just, you know, talk and mingle and have fun. I'll talk to your parents, and you don't need to worry about it. Uh, I love all of you. I'll see you guys on, uh, I mean, I'll see you guys on Friday for those going to camp and those who aren't coming to junior high. It's going to be killer. It's, Someone else is running it. It'll be a lot of fun. I love you all. Break them into your groups.